Welcome to the Glow Up Effect podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Diana. Here at the Glow Up Effect, we're diving deep into mindset shifts, inspiration, and daily actions to help you thrive in your everyday. Let's get down to business and let's claim your glow up, girl. Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Glow Up Effect podcast. Today, I'm hanging out with Adriana. Say hello. Hey, guys. How's it going? How's it going? We're chilling here, recording on a Saturday. We're both stashed up in our kids' rooms, recording from Zoom. Um, so me and Adriana met on Clubhouse. I, this has become like a natural thing. Like I just start telling the listeners like how I've met the guest of the day. So here we are. We met on Clubhouse. That's kind mm-hmm, of become mm-hmm. a um, new theme for me because it has become such a new tool to network and meet amazing women like yourself. But me and Adriana were in a room one day and I'm t- telling the story because it's set in the scene. So we were in a room together one day and I heard her talk and I was like, oh man, I need this girl on my podcast. So I'm like <laughs> following her on Instagram. I'm like, dang it. She's private. I can't message her right away. So I'm like, let me just sit here and fingers crossed, like she adds me back. (laughs) So then later that week, we ended up in another room together, much more intimate. Um, I think it was like maybe six of us in there. Right. And um, you came and found me and then you DM me and I'm like, Jesus, yes. (laughs) (laughs) The stars align. We were were able to connect. um, And we got on a call and I got to learn so much about her. And it's just been an amazing opportunity. I'm really, really excited for you guys to Thank get you. to know her, know her glow story. Um, so without further ado, I will give you the floor, Adriana. You know, just tell us about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? All righty. Well, thank you so much. The stars aligned definitely put us together because I was looking for you. You were looking for me and boom. Perfect. So absolutely. So hi, guys. Again, my name is Adriana. I am a recently married guys. You know, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. He liked Hopefully it. He put a ring right? on it. Girl, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> I'm 30 years old. I have three children. I have a nine-year-old son. I have a three-year-old daughter and I have a one-year-old daughter. Um, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I moved from Detroit, Michigan in 2012. I reside in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where I currently am with my family, where I met my husband. Um, I work in higher education. I love higher education. I also have a Facebook group that I have been manifesting and growing since 2017. It is exclusive to mothers. I do have a passion for the mother, specifically the single mother, but all mothers are beautiful. Um, I've been doing that since 2017, and we have just been going and going, and COVID tried to shut us down, but they can't stop us. Love it. Thank you for that. Um, so I wanted to open up the our, our start here in the conversation, okay. really with you being able to walk us through your journey of pregnancy and motherhood, because okay. when we got on our call, like you were like, girl, you got some time. We're on the phone. <laughs> Me and Adriana were on the phone for like an hour and some change, different yeah. time zones and everything. I'm like, at the end, I was like, I'm in the garage. I'm headed to the dentist, but like, keep going. Like you we got to stop. Right. So So I wanted you to open it up with, you know, your journey through pregnancy, motherhood and how it has ultimately like shaped you. Right. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. I know when we got on the line, you were like, okay, wait, the phone's going to die, but we're coming back. It it was just like, it was good. And I had that vibe with you, like I said, so it was easy for me to just tell the story and, you know, the story takes forever. So in the tidbit of the question, you know, 
pregnancy is something I'm very familiar with, but I only have three children, but I've been pregnant more than three times. You know, Mm -hmm. my first experience uh, with pregnancy, I was 16 years old. I was 15 years old, turning 16, and it was with my son's father. My son is exclusive to my previous relationship outside of my two daughters. And um, that was my first experience with pregnancy. And it was really my first experience with life, if I have mm-hmm. to put it, you know, in the in the best way possible, because that it was the turning point of me dealing with something that I wasn't mentally ready to deal with. I wasn't physically ready to deal with financially, emotionally, every lead that they talk about. Yeah. I wasn't ready. So um, with me and my son's father, which fast forward into the future, I haven't spoken to him. If my son's turning 10, I haven't spoken to him in 10 years. Oh, yeah. But um, my first experience with pregnancy was 16 years old, and it did ultimately end in an abortion. It mm-hmm. ended... Um, it it ended with families breaking up as far as, you know, my parents and how they were dealing with me, his parents and how they were dealing with him. It ended with, you know, me losing friendships because I was deemed as different, you know, mm-hmm. when I was in high school, nobody was pregnant and, you know, and then I didn't know that it affected me mm-hmm. because I was 16 and I was dealing with something that nobody was talking about. Yeah, you know, I was dealing with something that was the elephant in the room, but everybody was like, "So you can't, you can't have a baby because you're an elephant in the room, mm-hmm. and you can't have an abortion because you're still the elephant in the room." Yeah. So now I'm 16 with that, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was that was my first experience with pregnancy, and you know, I don't know if it was resilience or denial or just life keeps going. You know, your parents push you, you push you, and it's gone. You know, there's no baby, so you got to keep going anyway. So I ended up, you know, finishing out high school, and I knew I was off, though, Elizabeth. I, I didn't want to enjoy things like everybody else. I didn't go to the um, the sporting events. I didn't go mm. to dances and stuff. Like, they yeah, literally uh, voted me. Curriculars. I didn't do none of that. You know how important that is for school? Mm-hmm. for college that's what they want to see when you're in high school that you're involved in everything and looking back I know that that was me trying to deal with something that nobody was talking to me about mm-hmm. so um that was my first I did end up going to college and you know I hadn't spoken to my son's father because he didn't go to college he dropped out of high school whatever I was trying to save somebody and nobody was even saving me so um I ended up going to college and that was beautiful. That was absolutely beautiful. I was able to get out my parents' house mm-hmm. and try and define something or live my life or whatever. You know, I met some of my greatest friends that I have now in college, and then I was 18. And I don't know what led me back to my son's father, but two years later, I found him again. And it's interesting because, um, as I've learned as an adult, or a grown woman, a mature woman, a you know, a different space woman, I was doing the same things and I was getting the same thing. So I, I did the same things and here he came yeah. back. So I, I, I did end up pregnant again and I was 18 years old. And um, after that pregnancy, which ended in abortion, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, <clears throat> I never even got to tell him, I had to tell his mother what happened because he didn't speak to me after wow we just never talked after that so the first time it was just 
families trying to figure things out when we were young we were 16 the second time children yeah yeah we're when i were adults if we want to go down that route but whatever but now we're adults and you know i'm 18 and i remember that i couldn't get him on the line and i couldn't find him and i was like this is so crazy <laughs> like because you realize things but you don't understand things when you're immature and you haven't handled anything that you're already dealing with mm-hmm. so i'm 18 and one of my closest friends um she tells me that um i was like you know i don't have this baby she said girl you can't afford a pregnancy test i never forget she said that elizabeth she said you can't afford the pregnancy test to even tell you you're pregnant Mm -hmm. you can't find the man who girl so she she took me to the abortion clinic and it was you know no ill feelings and i remember like my some of my closest friends like literally raising money for me to do this and it was like a realistic like pop Mm -hmm. in the face like geez man like what's going on so that was my second experience with pregnancy so I don't have a good experience with pregnancy guys I never no I don't I don't see myself as a mother I don't see myself as somebody capable of having children I just I haven't painted this picture of oh I'm gonna have a family and I'm gonna you know have these babies and I'm gonna be this that that died you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. after two times I struck out okay that ain't for me that's not what God has in the plans for me okay so um you know life is going on my um my mother she was diagnosed with cancer and my father um he took the buyout if everybody's if anybody's familiar with Michigan he was Chrysler so I know a lot of people work in Chrysler Michigan he took the buyout they moved to Arizona they moved to Arizona when I was 18 so my brother was gone my parents were gone it was just me and I'm trying to maneuver through life I'm trying to figure things out and all I'm doing is very reactive to just what's going on. And then I have all this hurt that I'm carrying around on my shoulder, but mm-hmm. I'm not aware of it. Nobody's talking about it. I'm partying. I'm grown. I'm having a good time. I'm just really messing up is what I'm saying. But who yeah. was telling me that I was messing up? So um, I get my own place. I'm still in school and I, I deemed myself to find a good job. I think it was like $11 an hour or something, but it wasn't a good job. But to me, there it was. So I dropped out of school. Boom. $11 an hour made me drop out of school. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm making, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry guys, but now I'm just saying it out loud. Like that's why I dropped out of school. I said, I'm making a living. I got a good job, okay? So I dropped out of school. And I good old Facebook. I never, ever had Facebook until, like, I turned, like, 18 or 19, so I was way behind. But my uh, son's father, he he messages me on Facebook. And this is, I'm, I'm 20. I'm 20 now, everybody. I'm 20 years old. So 16, 18, 20. So let's let's talk about this history, yeah, with this man. Every every two years, and Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing the same thing. So, like I'm saying, I'm getting the exact same thing. That's that's flatline. That's if you're listening, you're paying attention. Like I'm literally not getting anything different out of life because I'm walking through it the same way and pretending I'm doing something different. Twenty one, twenty, he comes back around. And he tells me, you know, like, oh, we should get together. We should hang out. I got my own place. I got this good job, my $11 an hour job. I'm like, yeah, come over to my spot. I got this good place. (laughs) Come on over. I'm trying to stunt and I have nothing to, I have nothing. 
mm-hmm. he comes over and you know like it, it it feels good to be around something that is consistent in my mind and mm-hmm. that's me just holding on to 16 or 15 14 13 12 like here's 10 years of my life staring at me mm-hmm. or so I think you know so um he comes over and he tells me you know like before we you know think about being together or anything he says I have a daughter okay you would have thought um he poured acid in my heart Mm. it hurt me so bad for him to to say these things to me mm-hmm. these things to say that to me yeah because that sense too you're like oh my god you moved on like what do you yeah. mean you you have a kid like what happened to I could have wait I what so now not only do I feel inadequate as a person I feel inadequate as a mother I've had abortions mm-hmm. you have a child I'm like where do I stand in this mother role because no. it ain't for me like how did you skip over me to have a child? So he's like, I just want to let you know I have a child. So I immediately at 20 years old, very ignorant to things in life and nobody telling me, you know, what to do, what I should do or anything. I say, let's have a baby. I said it as simple as if I said, let's go to the store. Or let's eat candy or let's go out to dinner. I said, let's have a baby. In my mind, I was going to fix how I felt. Mm-hmm. So that's what I told him. And, you know, he's dumb. I'm dumb. Really? He's like, yeah, for sure. Cool. Great idea. And, you know, just the blind leading the blind, the dumb leading the oh, dumb. We, we both thought that we were about to fix extreme trauma mm-hmm. with an act of a child. So we work on having this baby. And um, for some reason... It took me a while to get pregnant. Now, before, just one good old time. Snap of the fingers. <laughs> and then I'm just like, God, like, what is going on? Now I can't even have a baby. It was just, it was rough. So eventually, I, I, you know, I had my son. And it just, it felt wrong immediately. Wow, yeah. So at first, I guess he was playing a role and maybe I was playing a role, but it wasn't it wasn't much. It was, it was abusive mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, I never forget, uh, just trying to like beg him to stay cause he would leave. And I was pregnant. I thought that was supposed to mean something or do something. And my, my idea of pregnancy and my idea of a mother and just my idea of a family is, was very tainted. It just wasn't any good. I remember doing one of my friends' hair. I was probably like eight months pregnant, and the sheriff knocked on the door, and he was serving my son's father with child support papers for a baby that was born in February of the year that my son was born. Mm. So he has a daughter, and here's this son, and he, oh, I don't know this person. I don't know her. I don't know the baby. I don't even know what you're talking about. What is happening? He was like, I don't even know what's going on, and I'm just like, man, like, this is I just can't believe my life I was eight months pregnant and then that happens and I go on to have you know my son and he was never at home I just remember always any false alarms I had I had more false alarms than not because I wanted him to come home and you know I don't cry anymore about it or tear up anymore about it when I talk about it because I've dealt with it in therapy mm-hmm. and different things like that I love my son to death so I hope nobody's like oh man like she don't love her son like you got to know me I love my son to death um but we're going to the hospital and I don't know I just felt like I was walking down a plank or something I didn't feel like I was about to go 
give life and yeah. I didn't even understand the I didn't even understand the power that I had as a woman that I'm about to give life. It was robbed of me. The experience of it robbed of me. I just, I'd never forget. I promise I never forget. I was having contractions and I was having back labor, which I never had again, but I understand what it was with my son. Um, like it was no pressure in my stomach. Everything was in my spine and my back. So I would tell him like, rub my back, rub my back. And I never forget Elizabeth. That man told me to shut the fuck up. Girl, that's what he said. And I never forget. I asked myself, how did I get here? And um, very rhetorical. And But I knew that all the steps that led me to here, one, could have been avoided. Two, just what did I do to deserve such treatment, you know? So mm-hmm. I remember he slept the entire time. He's here. And I promise you, Elizabeth, I didn't feel nothing. Not like physically, but just I didn't feel anything. Like those movies, you get to crying and you're like, oh, the joy. Yeah, and they hand you your baby. They tried to hand me my baby. I was like, oh, can y'all wipe him off? Like, I was just like, I just felt yeah. nothing. Like, literally nothing. And as I, you know, pursued my education, just understood and learned about postpartum and mental everything, I was like, that was postpartum. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was heavy. Like, I didn't feel nothing. And then I felt so bad for not feeling nothing that I would overcompensate in other areas to try and pretend I felt something because I didn't want anybody to think I was weird. Like, I tried to breastfeed, and, like, that didn't work out because breastfeeding is very intimate. It's very, like, ooh, let's stare at each other. And, girl, I didn't feel it. Like, I'm, I'm here. I'm 30. He's 10. Whatever. I love him to death now. I got to be honest in my truth. I didn't feel nothing. Those so, parents, of course. Girl, so... I have my son now, you know, back to the question, how this life, you know, shaped me as a mother, you know, here I am a mother and I don't feel nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I had a terrible pregnancy trying to like deal with the man who didn't want to necessarily be with me, but we were trying to like stay together for the sake of loyalty to time or something, just all the wrong reasons. So um, that goes from bad to worse. And we didn't stay together. I just found myself like nowhere to live. I got evicted. He was gone. I was like sleeping in my car. I was just kind of like hanging on to life everywhere. I had my son in the daycare and she was such a blessing because she would keep him overnight. And thank God, because I was in my car sleep. At least he had somewhere warm to be. And my job was like kind of, it wasn't overnight, but I worked the night shift and you couldn't leave until like everything was finished or whatever. Let me try and paint this picture. I had my son, July 2011. I moved to Phoenix, Arizona in March of 2012. Between July and March, I was homeless. I had lost um, everything um, in storage because I couldn't afford to pay my storage. I never forget that. The the lady, she she just had some sympathy. God touched her shoulder because she was like, just go back there. Whatever you could fit in your car, you could take. And she let me, and I was able to get, like, my son's stroller and stuff. But I just, ooh, I didn't have anything. Like, and I drove, and I drove, and, well, we drove, me and my friend. And it was one of those drives where we can't stop to get hotels and stuff because we ain't got no money for stuff like that so we mm-hmm. washing up and she probably don't want to hear this but we washing up in truck stops and stuff and mm-hmm. you know we're just if I'm sleepy she drives when she's sleepy I drive and we drove and we got here and you know I kind of everything was different culture shock 
I moved from Detroit to Yuma, Arizona, so it was uh, 98% Hispanic culture. Mm -hmm. I'm used to 98% Black yeah. culture shock. I get here, she goes home, I'm with my parents, and, you know, we don't have the strongest bond relationship or anything, and I'm traumatized. Mm -hmm. I'm so traumatized by 21 Gs. Like, so I don't talk. I mean, like, I speak when spoken to. I'm not rude, but I don't talk. I don't build relationships. I have nothing to say to anybody for months. I don't talk. Mm -hmm. And so my son, it was really good to move with my parents, though, because they got to love on him the way mm -hmm. that he'd been missing. And he's eight months by the time I moved. So I got this teeny baby. I still got a newborn. So that was a, a very strong pro to the pros and cons. Like, they had their grandson, and it was a grandson that they get to see. And they love him. Like, to this day, that's, that's they guy. So um, that is my experience as a mother before, in my mind, I became a mother. And that's, you know. It's a journey, absolutely. Years later. I had my daughter six years later. So my son and me was together trying to figure out life for six years. That didn't shape me as a mother. That shaped me as a person. In order for me to speak on being shaped as a mother, I have to talk about my husband. But mm -hmm. Which we'll get my, to in a moment. Which we'll get to. Like <laughs> I said, so the transition from Detroit to Arizona was the the best decision I made for myself. And I did it with nothing mm -hmm. but what I could fit in my car. And you never been back since. I never went back. And I love, I love, I love everything about the story because it really walks us through um, what society would call like, you know, you transitioning into adulthood, but I think you paint it so perfectly, like, regardless of, you know, being 18, 20, 21, like, you know, all these adult ages where, you know, you can buy cigarettes, you can buy a vote, you can vote, you can um, buy liquor, you can play the lot, you know, all these, these um, status yeah. um, levels that you reach at that age. But I feel, you know, you were, you were yearning for like so much more and you're like, why, did, why isn't this adding up? How did it feel to really embrace like the, you know, the saying that says like leaving and never turning back <laughs> for you? Like, oh, there I, I, man, of course, I get this question a lot, especially for girls who are women who are trying to like, you know, make that move. They're like, Adriana, like talk about it. So it is definitely a fed up mindset. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're not, you, you can't be fed up if you don't leave. I don't believe it. I won't buy it. I can't like you, you are not fed up enough to leave like a transition of such like moving is a transition with your family, with your husband and kids. That's a transition. But to be able to drop everything, you are not being met in any area. So you uh, to the to the person who's listening, who's like, you know, I want to move. You might have a friend there that you don't want to leave. You might have your dream job there that you don't. It's something that pulls you back. You have to be so fed up that nothing, and I mean nothing, can stop you from going. Not a person, a boyfriend, um, a job, a food. It doesn't matter. Like Elizabeth, I was so done, and I wasn't being fed anywhere like spiritually mentally like I had good friends there I'm not holding that back like I had good friends I had a good job $11 an hour but <laughs> I had a good job you know but I didn't I knew the best version of myself could not come mm. from my physical being there because it was tied to not only good things good friendships and you know a good time from time to time but it was also tied to extreme trauma mm -hmm. 
And in my mind, as I, of course, matured and got older, I really understand that the only thing that you're going to get out of this big life is what you put into it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that Detroit was this small life. And I knew that I had this son that didn't have a father and I didn't have a clue what exactly was I pulling from this situation. So for anybody, you know, that's listening, who's ready to make that transition or ready to make that big move or is fed up, you you really have to go in your mind and say that you are fed up and believe it or you're you're just saying it because that's how you want to feel i've been in a position of saying things just because it makes sense Mm -hmm. oh i'm mad about everything i'm mad that you know he's abusing me i'm mad that this job isn't paying me but it just it sounds good out loud but if you don't if you're not really yearning for something better and that's when you got to have those honest conversations with yourself if you're not yearning for something better, nothing's going to shake. Nothing's going to move. I was yearning for something better. And I didn't know if it was going to be in Arizona, you know? I just knew that it wasn't there. One step closer, yeah. I knew it wasn't there. I knew that my current circumstances wasn't my final circumstances. Even if I was going to get evicted in Michigan and I can get evicted in Arizona, something had to be different somewhere. Mm-hmm. I love that. So, um, in terms of your mental health, I know you're super, super big on that and an advocate for mental health, especially with your journey with postpartum. But I know you mentioned like therapy, like what yeah. have you adopted into your kind of like self-care routine in terms of, you know, um, trying to uh, really nurture your mental health? Absolutely. Dealing with postpartum, as we spoke about it, nobody was talking about it. Mm. And then if you're black, come on now. Nobody was really talking about it. Now, if we're going to sit here and be honest, like Taboo. Mm-hmm. my mama wasn't saying, oh, this is postpartum. She was saying, go take a walk, get some sunshine, drink some water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm dealing with, and you know, to, to add, she did put me in therapy when I was younger, um, just dealing with other things, but it was the therapist I had. It, it, what I'm trying to say is your therapist has to match Mm-hmm. your energy and what you're trying to get out of it so you can't just say i want to go to therapy and click google online and like go find somebody <laughs> you gotta go trial and error and don't give up somebody's gonna help you yeah. so but to touch back on it you know it was very taboo um i'm a black woman i'm um i'm a 21 year old young girl i don't even know how to express myself to make a doctor's appointment like my mom was just making doctor's appointments for me you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. i don't even know how to go deal with my insurance the proper way like i'm just so ill equipped to handle my mental health because nobody's talking about it it's trendy now i can google mental health and i can get the help i need but before it just wasn't that so um i know for a fact i should have gotten into therapy sooner we find therapy in so many different things bad or good you might start to draw or paint or you might start to drink or smoke Mm. you find therapy in many things and outlets exactly so i didn't successfully get into therapy until 2015 Mm. and i moved to arizona in 2012 so there's three years of dense, just energy sitting over me, but I'm dealing with things because regardless, I, no matter what Elizabeth, I knew it just had to be better for me. I just, I just knew it like, geez, like, I felt it in my soul. And, you know, when I did get into therapy, she wrote on her little whiteboard, 
and she wrote traumatized and I never heard somebody tell me I was traumatized mm-hmm. and when she wrote it I cried a big cry because she heard me yeah. a girl I said dang I'm traumatized like she said you got abandonment issues you're traumatized your sexual abuse she the the board was go she was shocked that I'm sitting in her office just wow, just talking yeah. just just and yep and this happened and this happened kind of like I spilled the story to you like I'm so much stronger now I'm so much bigger now but just kind of how I spilled the story to you but the biggest thing she taught me and how it transitioned me into the woman I am because of therapy was how much power I have over my life Mm -hmm. how much control I have over my life and you know maybe I thought I did or maybe I didn't know it or because so many people had dropped the ball with me or just played with my life that I thought they had all this power yeah and I didn't know because it's not like I got all this mentorship or anybody telling me anything so I'm learning that I have all this power of my life so I'm walking out of therapy just shutting it down girl like you can't talk to me don't say this I don't like that like the boundaries started stacking like Mm -hmm. she taught me about boundaries and my control and the first thing you do is you you do you you don't try and fix the other people at the therapy. When people go to therapy and they they learn things and then they go try and fix people, girl, you you fix you, everything else fixes. You become self-aware, yeah. Girl, you fix you, the type of people, you, you will ban certain things, you will welcome certain things, you will accept certain things, you want your standards, everything just changes when you begin to change you. And people, they want to you know, abuse the term, you know, self-care and self-love. And it's not, you know, the manicure, the pedicure and the facial is, it has nothing to do with that. It's self-care is in the form of boundaries. Self-care is in the form of standards. Self-care is in the form of taking whatever the mirror is showing you and like posing girl, like, Mm -hmm. yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes, girl. Praise hands over here. Well, guys, this concludes the first half of my two-part interview with Adriana. Adriana's story is so chock full with goodness. She is so transparent and honest in her journey that I was like, you know what? Let's actually split this up into two parts so we don't overwhelm the listeners so the listeners can really dissect and take the message. So we'll be back next week with part two of Adriana's story, which we'll dive into her present day journey into marriage, into happiness, and how she has continued to achieve her present day glow up. So Adriana, thanks so much. And we'll catch y'all next week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow Up Effect podcast. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you love this episode, please share with your friends and family and tell them to check out the Glow Up Effect. Lastly, if you don't already, please check me out on Instagram at the Glow Up Effect. 